0: Welcome, friends, to the Planet LP podcast. Glad to have you along. I'm Ted Asregadu. Every month for over a year now, Keith Creighton from Popdos has been diligent. And sharing new music releases with you, dear listener. Well, this month's no different as Keith returns along with a suitcase full of CD suggestions to help you fatten your music collection. We're also going to have another Pop Dose alumni on, but not in the role of a music journalist. Rather, we're going to talk to D.W. Dunphy, who has a new single out with the band Orbis Max. DW is a friend of the pod who has been on a couple of times as a guest. So for longtime listeners to the podcast, his name may be familiar. I got some good feedback on previous episodes, especially the one with Jeff Drake from the Joneses on Twitter. I got a DM from Doug Davies on Twitter who said, He really thought it was a great interview. And I got a nice message from Michael Magali, who's also been on the podcast many times. He was very taken by the episode last month in the New Music Report where we talked about the U2 album, the one where they re-recorded a bunch of their songs, and especially promoting the Disney Plus documentary that was hosted by David Letterman. He says he's not really that much into the band as much as we were, but he's definitely going to check out that Disney Plus doc. So that's kind of cool. Hey, and speaking of social media, if you would like to connect with Planet LP, you can follow along on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Groupie. Just search for Planet LP. For bands, artists, and authors who write about music. If you'd like to connect with me to share your work and perhaps be a guest on Planet LP, email me at Ted at PlanetLP.com. And since you're already listening to this, On a podcasting app or on a website, you don't need me to tell you to subscribe or follow, but perhaps you'd be willing to share this podcast with other music fans. We'd really appreciate it. Okay, this is a packed episode, so let's get to it.
1: Hey, welcome back, Keith. Good to be back. Oh my God, so, so, so many albums to talk about. Oh my God, you wrote me earlier in the
0: month, you said, Um. Hey, so there is so much that's been released. We might have to do two episodes this month to cover it all. I was like, really? Is it that much? And you're like, yep, it's a lot. And looking at the list that you just sent me, I'm like, holy crap. April must be just like the big music
1: release month for, I don't know if this is planned or it's just coincidence, but. Oh my God. We're going to talk today about Metallica, Peggy Lee from the 1960s. To everything in between, every conceivable genre we are going to probably hit on this episode.
0: Well, it seems like there's very little time to waste, so why don't we get to our interview with D.W. Dunphy from the band Orbis Max, whose new single, Are You Okay?, is doing really well on the YouTubes, Bandcamp, and even charting this week at number 14 on Radio Indie Alliance. D.W., hey there. Hello. How y'all doing? We're doing great, I think.
1: I'll speak for myself, but I don't know about Keith. <laughs> Keith, you doing okay? I'm doing good. I'm doing yeah. good. Especially, like, it's really funny because the single we're talking about is Are You Okay? It is. Yeah. So let's talk about the band first, DW, Orbis Max.
2: That's the band. So for those who really don't know this group, give us, give us a little intro. Okay. So Orbis Max has actually been a band in existence since the early 1970s, which is very strange for me because... This band was in existence when I was five years old. Wow. Uh, and, and I believe they were mostly focused in the California area. Not a lot of uh, recordings and such, mostly a live uh, act. At one point, they there were key members who left the band, uh, and, and they kind of moved forward without them. But there was an internal differentiation. They kind of referred to themselves as Orbis 2.0. But the band is Orbis Max. The primaries or uh, the mainstays of the band are Don Backey, who is on guitar, Craig Carlstrom, who is on uh, bass. We also have uh, Bruce Walker on keyboards. And nine out of ten times, we have Dick Winter, who plays drums. As it stands right now, the band is pretty much an internet-oriented thing. Everybody lives in the cardinal directions across the United States. Sometimes we're bringing in people from even in the UK as contributors. So it's really, uh, the band is an anomaly in that we can't be a live band, uh, but we can certainly bring in many different people for recording. And that is where Orbis Max is right now.
1: How did a scrappy young lad like you get into this band? I
2: asked. And just knocked on the door where we you're selling Girl Scout cookies and say, "Hey. Well, um, I've been I've been making music since 1995 and out of necessity it's been pretty much a one-man band solo thing. Although I I never really had an issue with being a part of a band. It's just that you know one thing or another got in the way and as of late, I wanted to be creative, but I didn't want to be the guy that did everything. There is something that you get out of being a part of a team that you cannot get out of being, you know, the one man band, as it were. There is nothing wrong with either of them, it's just different. And in this stage in my life, I wanted to work with people and not be the guy.
1: You're, gonna, you're like Daisy Jones in The Six, but not having <laughs> to go on tour.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would be such a good tour member yeah. uh, again, you know, I I I'm 53 years old and everybody else needs to use the bathroom once in a while too, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's why I would never get on a tour bus. No, so. no, no, no. <laughs> Need my space. Yeah. So tell us about the song. Are you okay? The one that's doing really well. Well, the genesis of the song, however, is, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, mental illness, or at hmm. least the feeling that people can have. I experienced this past December. It was December into January when the song was written very deep emotions, you know, not self harm emotions. I was feeling the absences of family members. I was feeling the absences of even different places where I live. And I think this is something that everybody experiences to some degree. At the end of December, at the end of New Year's Day, whatever, you're kind of buoyed by there being so many Christmas lights. uh, So it doesn't feel as dark as it actually is. And then after that is this hard cutoff. People have turned off their lights because they need to start saving on electricity again. And the time of year really gets into your head. So the point of the song is just this uh, idea... You're not necessarily going to people, trying to reestablish connections, friendships, love relationships, although they might be there. It's just, you know, checking in. Are you okay? Are you doing good there? You know, just thinking of you, concerned. I wanted to send that message. All right. So let's play a little bit of the song. This is Are You Okay? From Orbis Max. I brought the photo albums down vocalist on that okay so the co-vocalist on that is lisa michaels um she has a pretty long history in the power pop scene especially in california some people might know her extended history she was with a band called the masticators whose drummer was robbie wrist who a lot of people would recognize at least by the name uh, cousin oliver and the last season of the Brady Bunch. Mr.
1: <laughs> Bader, he's Mr. International pop overthrow, <laughs> or the, the festival leader. Now
2: he's deeply connected, uh, you know, in that Power world. Pop scene, yeah. And so Lisa Michaels came from that. She's been doing a lot of different things over the years. One of the things, and when people are talking about their short list of collaborators, contributors, etc., and they say, well, we had a very short list and this and that. And, there really was no one else that I considered doing this because she, her voice conveys the sensitivity and concern that while I knew other performers could hit the notes, I didn't think that they had the capacity to bring what she brought. So in many ways, she's more than just a co-performer. She definitely brought in a lot of pop savvy. To make that end section lift in a way that was not given to her or presented to her, she brought that to us, which was extremely helpful. I also want to mention the solo and sort of the synth line underneath everything, the orchestral synth line, was done by Ed Ryan. He just released an album called A Big Life, which I wanted to give a shout out because um, he gave us a great solo uh, guitar in this really what I was hoping for
0: well DW thank you so much for coming on the Planet LP podcast sharing some new music Are You Okay by Orbis Max and best of luck on this single looks like it's it's getting some uh, getting some
2: traction which is always good yeah well thank you very much I do hope that people uh, really take to it
0: It's a pretty good interview with DW, and as we continue to talk about new music, how about starting with a band that's being talked about as
1: a supergroup? I'm talking about Boy Genius. Keith, I think that's a good segue from DW because he's a Boy Genius himself, and now we're talking about a band (laughs) called Boy Genius, yes, which oddly enough has no boys in it. Supergroup with Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, and Lucy. I think it's Dacus. Yeah, and, I was going to say Dacus, but I Dacus, don't know. Dacus, yeah, okay, maybe, there yeah. you go. Listeners can weigh in. And so, yeah, they were, they were cover girls on Rolling Stone two months ago. And mm-hmm. so their big, huge, full-length record finally came out. They had a really stellar EP a couple of years ago. And so now the record, oddly enough, titled... The record is out, and oh my god, critics everywhere are completely fawning over this. It's like the greatest thing to happen to indie rock music in decades. And so it's one of those things where I think, with such high expectations, it could either hit on all of those or disappoint. Right now, for me, I think it's definitely a grower. You know, yeah. there's some beautiful, yeah. beautiful songs on there. Each of them kind of takes a turn kind of showcasing themselves and then midway through the record, they really kind of blend in as a group. Maybe it's not the greatest thing to come down the mountain in months or or in ages, but it's a beautiful, beautiful record that's worth checking out. Yeah, Rob
0: Sheffield of Rolling Stone, he gave it a five-star review. In the magazine, which there's a little label that they put on there, and it says Instant Classic. Yeah. That and I thought, wow, this a is great. F- yeah, four star ahead. for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's some solid music. Definitely not my cup of tea. I found it a little too slow. I kind of wanted a little more energy to it. But I've listened to the record maybe five times now, and it's, it's good. And you, like you said earlier, it's a grower. It takes a little time for – for those like me and maybe you, Keith, who don't quite hear the magic the first play. We don't want to dunk on people's art, obviously, because yeah. that's that's not something that's that this podcast is about. But if something is not quite – we're not quite feeling it, I think we're going to be honest about like, well, yeah, I'm just not – I'm not, I'm not feeling it yet. That's not to yeah. say that the more we spin this record, like maybe two months now, we're going to come back and go, uh, we're going to do a little segment on reassessing boy
1: genius
0: yeah. <laughs> because now we're all in love with it.
1: Well, it's one of those things where I bought it on CD because mm-hmm. a lot of things, if you don't take to it the first time, you forget about it. Even in streaming, you know, it just disappears yeah. off your yeah. dashboard. And so I invested in the CD. I bought both the EP and the, and the record on CD and yeah, I did not take to it the first time, but then the second time I absolutely, loved it. But it's one of those things where I take the Rolling Stone five-star review very seriously because I grew up and reading yeah. Rolling Stone since the seventies. And that when they say it's a classic, they're putting it up there with purple rain. And so I think they may have tossed out this one a little bit prematurely because they were on the cover of the magazine and And I love Phoebe Bridgers because she was duetted on Muna's Silk Chiffon, which is to me one of the greatest singles of this decade so far. Very beautiful pop queer anthem, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a universal love story about having a lover who's soft as Silk Chiffon. And it's a beautiful song. And so that was my gateway to Phoebe Bridgers. She has a great solo record, you know, collection out. I think, yeah, it's a definitely a four star Album for me, but yeah, mm-hmm, five star. Mm-hmm. I take it very seriously. But i remember, they also give anytime Bob Dylan comes down the mountain, they give him five stars. Or, or, yeah, a, growing, or a Springsteen album, any Springsteen album is going to get up there for five stars, exactly. But speaking of supergroups, then there's also the new pornographers, mm-hmm. which I think has their eighth record out right now, and it's another one where I've been buying most of them over the years because I'm a huge, huge, huge Nico Case fan. Like. To me, she has just got one of the most stellar discographies going, and so she always voice too. She's really got a really interesting, I mean, powerful and oh, uh, yeah. definitely distinctive voice. Now, Nico Case's "Blacklisted" is a five star record for me, absolute classic. And so, usually on the new Pornographers records, she does lead vocals on two tracks,
2: mm-hmm. sings
1: backup harmonies, but it's one of those things where all the people in this group in this group have other side hustles. You know, even though. The new Pornographers are probably the most consistent thing in all of their careers in terms of put out a record, tour it, then go back to your solo stuff. But this one, you know, I'm not really feeling. So Dan Bahar, I think that's how you say it, you know, um, has left the group, even though they do take one of his lyrics and they make it into a song on this one. But I kind of feel the quirkiness that I really love from this band has gone with Dan leaving Mm-hmm. You know, kind of this was like a phoned-in one, but we'll see if it grows on me. Well, here's a band that I didn't think we would hear any music from really ever again, and that's
0: Depeche Mode. Oh um, yeah. yeah, and it's like uh, they were they were recently here in the Bay Area, and they sold out a stadium. They sold out the SAP Center, and I was just like, man, this band's got some legs. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I know that they're at sort of classic legacy status at this point, but I honestly did not think that they would record anything anymore.
1: Yeah, especially with the passing of Andy Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Andy was more of a behind the scenes, like kind of like the visionary for the group. Got two of the core members that are still going. I'll have to admit, when I saw them, they sang, I think the song is Ghost Again yeah. on a couple of the yeah. late night shows. And I was like, oh my God, the lyrics are so simplistic. And I was like, this is awful. But then on the record, where they put a little more echo on Dave's voice, Mm-hmm. Okay, now it makes sense. Like on record, it sounds absolutely beautiful. But when they were singing it on Kimmel and stuff like that, I'm like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. But mm. Richard Butler from the Psychedelic Furs contributed a couple songs. And you can kind of tell the Psychedelic Furs influence there. You know, I think it fares much better on record than it did in the live performances. But then I hear the stadium shows that they're doing are stellar. So yeah. everyone that's got tickets yeah. are going to really just love that show.
0: Yeah, if you can get tickets at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Lana Del Rey, boy, oh, she my. she surfaces with great regularity, I should say. seems like every now and then I turn around and it's like, there's some new track coming
1: from Lana Del Rey. I have to admit, she almost killed me with this new record, and not in a good way. Where Uh-oh. the new the new record, you know, the tunnel under Ocean Boulevard, this really long, long title, you yeah, know, was such a sleepy record that I was listening to it while driving on the highway, and I Uh-oh. almost fell asleep. So I love her voice. Born to Die and Norman Effing Rockwell are two absolute masterclass. Albums where I think that sultry kind of David Lynchy, you know, mm-hmm. lounge singer voice fares really well with dance beats and non traditional musical elements. <laughs> and so the last three records Lana has done has been these really sleepy records. And oh my God, I just, this is the first one of her entire discography that I passed on in terms of buying. I go back to the early stuff, absolutely love her. So that's my take on Lana Del Rey.
0: Yeah, and you said something about fusing dance beats that it's, it works well with her vocal style. Yeah. Uh, a band that I want to talk about is Everything But The Girl, who oh, wow. was very popular in the 80s and 90s. They have a new album that's coming out later this month called Fuse. Now, Apple Music, which I subscribe to, has three of the songs that they're streaming. And I like what's going on production-wise. I read a little bit on the backstory on them putting these songs together during the lockdown phase of the pandemic. And then they went into the studio and started seeing like, Ooh, we could do this and we could do that with the vocals, but because they're so seasoned, they don't overdo it. They just come in and say, let's tweak it slightly because I think Tracy Thorne has always had a very, very strong voice and it just works well production wise on what they've done with the three songs that I've heard. I do like the, uh, the the song Nothing Left to Lose, which is the first one off the album. Uh, Run a Red Light is okay. And then Caution to the Wind, I, I think I like it about as much as the first one, uh, Nothing Left to Lose. So if you've been following this group, they've gone through very various styles, if you will, From 88 to around 91, I would say that their their music was much more adult contemporary, and then they did a pivot, like a sort of a hard left, and they started doing club music in the 90s, uh, albums like Amplified Heart, Walking Wounded, and Temperamental, and then they just shut it down. They haven't done anything under the moniker of everything but the girl, well, since the 90s, and so this is a new New release that's coming out. And for for old catchers like
1: me who grew up with them back in the day, this is this is exciting. I'm I'm glad that they're still they're doing new music. Yeah. So, yeah. We saw Altered Images come back after mm-hmm. f- almost forty years between records and last year. So it is great to see people like Tracy Thorne and Claire Grogan from Altered Images just come mm-hmm. back with Their vocals have not changed or dipped a bit, maybe even have a richness to them because they've got some years now. and, And so, yeah, very, very welcome return for them. Love them. Very much so.
0: And if you've been following Peter Gabriel's release of music, you know that every full moon since the start of this year, he's been releasing a song. He says he's going to keep it going until he he, he cries uncle because he says it's a, it's a lot to put out these singles because he does four three mixes has cover art for each album and you know he does like a little mini documentary about a particular song so that's a lot to do for just one song so the latest is the title track from his upcoming release called I O which he says stands for input and output. So, when this is released, it's going to be his 10th studio album, his first full length album of new material since Up, which it's like over 20 years ago that it came out now. The Up came out in 2002. I know that that album has its fans. I'm not one of them. I just didn't, I couldn't connect with that record, but. He said that he's got like 20 songs that he's recorded and he's trying to finalize the track list for this full release. The date's still TBD, they don't know at this point. So every track he's released um, on this full moon cycle, it's been quite good. And I think this record will be so much better than up. I really like I.O. the title track. It's he does this sort of simplistic thing where he just sort of says like stuff coming in, stuff going out. Uh, and then he's got a great anthemic chorus. So what I ended up doing is I just put the four songs that he's he's released so far on a playlist, and I've just been listening to those over and over and thinking, if this is the actual track listing, then I think that this is going to be a really strong album because every song I've listened to that I'm just thinking, this is really quite good. It's engaging. So go Peter Gabriel. You're 72. And I got tickets to go see him uh, when he comes to the Bay Area. So I'm excited to finally see him again.
1: Oh my god, how cool. Well, he's really trying to embrace the streaming era. He is kind of going full storm into where I'm kicking and screaming. Because I have a couple of artists that I really love that only release singles. Catherine Pierce, who was a half of the duo that Pierces, and there's another artist, a really beautiful, a kind of adult contemporary artist named Kate out of Los Angeles, puts out these just masterclass singles but one or two a year and that's it and i kind of like i want an album you know (laughs) i'm I'm waiting for the smashing pumpkins to finally release the full atom you know trilogy which is you know three full albums but billy was like i'm only putting out eight songs or so at a time because it's so much to listen to Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in may they finally put them all out on a single vinyl and cd box set well, yeah, I'm glad that he's doing it. You know, I haven't listened to any of them yet. So I kind of want more, you know, because I haven't really loved a Peter Gabriel record since so. Yeah. Back in yeah. It was it 86? Yep. Yeah. Yeah so, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see where it all goes <laughs> if, if he horrible. ever gets this thing out or if it's just gonna be a digital experience. Now we're gonna get into the
0: segment that Keith has labeled the Metal Den. So, <laughs> you talked about the Smashing Pumpkins and that they've got three albums worth of music that they they're gonna release. That's a lot of music. This new Metallica album, this thing's pretty long. What do you think? Have you had a chance to listen to much of I mean they they kind of gave four tracks out, I think, as a pre-release. Uh, for seventy-two seasons, that's the name of the the album. But besides Lux Aterna, which ended up on my my top list of twenty twenty-two songs because I really like the driving beat and everything. But have you had time to like spend with any of this beyond the, the Lux Aterna and maybe a couple other songs? Or well,
1: if anyone that watches Jimmy Kimmel has been treated all week to see Metallica as the resident band. So they did five episodes in a row. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really kind of funny to see them then do like hokey little Jimmy Kimmel skits as well. Because to me, Metallica was always the most dangerous band in the yeah, world. Yeah. Yeah. And then to see them like they literally had them do a Master of Puppet show where they went to a marionette <laughs> theater and you know <laughs> performed for the kids. Pretty good. You know, so it's it's one of those things where I saw Metallica in like 1989. Oh wow. And I think it was the Injustice for All tour. Mm-hmm. And, Cause I went to see the the cult. And so I'm in the nosebleeds in the very back of the Richfield Coliseum. And between me and the band, it looked like I was in a sea of wheat because of all the long hair that was this thrashing and headbanging. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I felt like that girl in the middle of that, you know, that very famous painting where she's in the wheat field, you know, in a white dress, just laying down. They played a couple of new songs there. Metallica's riding off of the Stranger Things bump. You know, because Master of Puppets Mm. played Mm -hmm. such a big element in that series, just like Kate Bush is running up that hill. And so what a perfect time to put out a record. And from what I've been hearing, I'm in this group on Facebook called the Compact Disc Collector's Cave. Everyone's raving that this is the best Metallica album since the Black album. Hmm. You know, so post Stranger Things, I picked up the first five records, Metallica records, and been really enjoying those. Because metal, the reason that it's kind of fun to do this Metal Den segment is... I'm not that big of a metal person. You know, I was always a new waiver post-punk pop, that kind of stuff. And so really, really enjoying kind of getting to know the artistry behind metal, you know, because it was always, I was more afraid of the people that listen to metal than the bands themselves. And then really seeing a lot of the melody that a lot of these bands have and the pyrotechnics and just the skill that goes into playing these riffs. Like, Oh my God, you know, Kirk Hammett is just, one of the most amazing guitarists ever. And so the see Metallica, like, you know, they're all turning 60 this year, Mm -hmm. you know, that they're still guns a blazing and could put out a record as good as 72 seasons. I'm really excited. So my CD arrives tomorrow, but I've loved what I've heard so far. Great.
0: My take on Metallica is probably similar to yours. I've never seen them live, but I thought of this record. as just like, well, here comes another big, bold and boisterous release from the guys. I loved like I said Lux Eterna. I really enjoyed the driving beat of it. Because I'm not a big Metallica fan. I'm not sure if this is a strong collection of songs for hardcore Metallica fans or if they're just kind of going eh. But I take as as one person whose opinion I do trust and that's Martin Popoff. He's he's writes so many books about rock, metal, hard rock. I don't know when this man sleeps, but uh, he's been on the podcast before when he released what I thought was, or what I think is probably the most definitive a group of books about Rush. And so I had him on because of course, you know, I'm a Rush fan. So we talked about that, but he said on his recent Contrarians podcast that this album seems a little bit conservative for Metallica, not only in the production, but the songwriting as well. It does come with a a bit of a concept and the concept of 72 seasons is that Who we are as adults is shaped by those first 18 years of life. So the first 72 seasons, James Hetfield's the lyricist. So he was thinking conceptually about this. So the song's kind of harken back stylistically to their influences, which are like Pantera and Black Sabbath. So if you're really rooted in those bands and you know their their sound and their style, then you're going to hear it in this record. This record is a kind of a look back in a way. So Martin thought it, it's a good album, but he didn't think that it was as adventurous as say the Black album production-wise or even songwriting-wise. I don't think he dislikes it. I just Think that he looks at what Metallica is doing now is he says it's a little bit he says a little bit more safe a little more conservative but yeah he was not slamming it or anything but just mm-hmm. as a as a person who's a a fan of that genre and I was you know listening to his podcast I thought okay I I trust your opinion
1: but I've been I've enjoyed what I've heard I kind of like you know what I've heard so far but, yeah and yeah. especially like seeing the thunder that they brought on Kimmel all week these guys are. Dads, definitely, and Mm -hmm. maybe even granddads, you know, and so you can't really still mine that field from the early, early albums, you know, I figured they go back to the early, early 80s, you know, so I'm just amazed that they're still at this level that they're playing right now. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that actually might be a good segue to the next record, which is LA Guns. LA Guns, oddly enough, is my gateway into metal because, yeah, so picture this, I have a really fun little story. I'm interning in 1989, my senior year of college at Power 108, Contemporary Hit Radio. Mm -hmm. They were playing New Kids on the Block and Martika and all that. And all of a sudden, they say, We're going to do this big co promotion with LA Guns because LA Guns, you know, Tracy Guns is the Guns of Guns and Roses, Mm -hmm. you know, but early on, Splintered Off, Axel did his thing, Tracy did his thing with LA Guns. And so then they had this big kind of power ballad, you know, as all the metal bands did back in the day with the Ballad of Jane that got into rotation on our radio station. And so they said, hey, let's take 50 fans, put them on a bus with L.A. guns and take them to the Hudson Haunted House, you know, because it was Halloween in Cleveland. And so as the intern, I got assigned to be the sheep herder and make sure that everyone in the band and everyone, all the fans got on that bus went through the Hudson haunted house then came back for the show and then to an after party. And so here I am, this dorky new wave pop loving kid hanging out with LA guns. And so I got to sit with Tracy guns on the bus. And so it's like a 45 minute trip down to the Hudson haunted house. And so I got to talk with him about, you know, Guns N' Roses, what it's like to have a pop single all of a sudden. And they were just the nicest guys ever. Then had the cassette for years that the the whole band signed. And so here I am now with Black Diamonds, which just came out this week. I bought my first L.A. Guns record in more than 30 years. And I'm oh like, God, it's just one of those things where I really love it. And especially because they have another big power ballad on there called Diamonds. It's got the beautiful acoustic guitar, but then it goes into the full blown guitar or chorus. And but it's a much more sleazy metal record. Total sunset strip still. And so I'm really excited to have the LA guns back. But everyone in my group on Facebook says, check out all the releases on frontier records. You know, they say they have been consistently putting out records for decades, which is something that Axel cannot say that he's done. (laughs) I mean, look at how long it's been since even Chinese democracy. I bet there's now been a bigger gap between the spaghetti incident and Chinese democracy than Chinese democracy to today. Like Axel, (laughs) not prolific Tracy guns, Very prolific.
0: Yeah. And if you listen to the previous episode where I I interviewed Jeff Drake from the Joneses, you would see from his experience that LA Guns and Hollywood Rose, as was the, you know, the the two bands merged into Guns and Roses, that they copied the Joneses style. Jeff Drake was like, Yeah, I'm no fan of those guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I can imagine. uh, I'm sure the feeling is mutual because Slash was really kind of like did not like Jeff at all. You know, they, he went down to the record release party and, and slash opened the door and then slammed it in his face but let him
1: in. Well, you figure for every band that really made it out of that era, there are thousands that didn't. But here's what I'm gonna segue into the next one, okay. you know, which goes back to 1989 as well. So here I became a fan of LA Guns. Then all of a sudden, you know, in our Power 108 prize closet, we have all these debut cassettes by the band Extreme. So I got one, I popped it in on the way home and I'm like, holy shit, this is, oh, sorry. Um, Amazing in terms of (laughs) Nuno Betancourt is like right up there with like Yngwie Malmsteen in terms of just one of the most amazing guitarists of all time. And Play With Me, which is just one of the most blistering guitar solos of all time, anchors this record, you know, so their self-titled record, Extreme, came out in 1989 And then they got the Stranger Things 4 bump as well, because Play With Me from that record is on the soundtrack. And so Extreme is now finding a whole new audience. Because you remember after their really kind of metal pop debut record, then they had Extreme Pornography, which then had More Than Words, Mm -hmm. which was like the ultimate, ultimate power ballad. But then saddled them with that power ballad legacy that I don't think the band ever really broke out of. And then Gary, of course, went on to form or front Van Halen 3, which I don't think they really got the right you know, momentum on it. I think he just said in a recent interview he wished he had toured with Van Halen mm-hmm. before recording the record.
0: Right, right. For
1: me, one of the biggest problems of Van Halen 3 is just as such a crappy album cover. The, think with had the had guy like with more... the standing in front of a cannon with a cannon. Yeah. cannon, cannon. Yeah, the, yeah. It's really not that appealing. And so the thing is, if they had had – like, because Van Halen put out amazing album covers – really high concept art and logos if they had done that i think it would have had a better chance it was a very unappealing album cover and package and so then people really didn't want to hear the songs in between you know so i think (laughs) yeah if they had toured and really kind of introduced sharon to the van halen audience it may have worked better but now they're back with six and oh my god have you heard rise i definitely check it out Everyone is raving that Nuno Betancourt, because you figure it's been now 34 years since their debut album, one of the just the most blistering, phenomenal guitar tracks, you know, or solos on this single. And when you just watch his fingers fly up and down the fretboard, it's like, holy crap, this guy still has it. I don't really like the cover art. It's just a picture of an ape. You know, I wish they would put out a much more metal cover. You know, look at like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. They always put out great album covers. And so extreme has a great logo. They should use it, but now it's a picture of a chimp on the cover, but I'm hoping that this six, which comes out in June is really their return to form, you know, Mm -hmm. is to be one of the definitive pop metal acts, you know, on the, on the circuit because they sound great. They sound absolutely amazing. So extreme six is coming later this year. All right. And then there's a band called ghost. I don't know this band. Yeah. So ghost is, here's one that my 11 year old daughter turned me on to. So she was watching some gotcha life video and I hear this beautiful harmonic band singing. I thought it was a love song to a girl named Mariana cross, Mm -hmm. you know, but nope, it's not. Mariana is not her name. It's Mary on a cross, which, (laughs) you know, turns out was from a single called seven inches of satanic panic (laughs) By it turns out a Swedish death metal band called Ghost. And so I'm like, death metal? Because it's the Mariana Cross is a beautiful pop single. I didn't hear like an ounce of metal in there. Okay. so the gentleman that lives next door to me, a British guy, absolute metal fan, which has he has like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of death metal records and he writes about it for various websites. Mm. And so I said, have you ever heard of this band Ghost? And he literally called me and wanted to talk about Ghost for the next hour. So it turns out Ghost is one of the biggest bands in the world. Who knew? Like arena level. Really? They put on these hugely, highly theatrical death metal shows. And but yet ridiculously harmonic, where unlike death metal that sings like this, yeah, you know, yeah, throat shredding, good. they sing in four part, like Beach, Beach Boys level harmonies. You know, he's got a gorgeous voice. Joe Elliott from Def Leppard sang on the last album a beautiful single called Spillways. Okay. You know, and then the B side to Mariana Cross is called Kiss the Go Goat, which is also this really beautiful pop record, but then in the middle of the bridge then they just go Satan, Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> And I shouldn't I should laugh because there's probably sections or segments of our society is like, Oh my God, they go, they go into a moral panic over things like that. But yeah. I, so I it know. seems like, you know, so they're Swedish, the lead singer sings under various incarnations of Pope Emeritus, you know, hmm. so he's under, he's on Pope Emeritus four right now, but they have these just big campy high concepts. So if you like queen, if you like Abba, and you like Metallica? There's something for everybody in this band. It's ridiculously fun. Their new album or their new single is a cover of "Jesus He Knows Me" by oh, Genesis.
0: Genesis song. Yeah. It's
1: on the new Phantomime EP, which drops in May. And so, you know, the lead singer was saying, "Well, you know what? This sounded when when Genesis first did it. It was like this great critique on televangelism." But then, you know, seems like it was out of date for years. But he said, now in the era of Trump, it's more relevant than it's ever been. There's a bunch of other covers, including they're going to do a big death metal version of We Don't Need Another Hero by Tina Turner. <laughs> is, Ghost is just probably the most fun band in rock and roll They even have a full EP recorded by Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters.
0: Of course, yeah. If Dave Grohl's not involved with
1: it, exactly, what's the point of putting it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Check out Ghost. It is just the most like that's the whole thing. You know, I remember. You know, was it Elton John? I remember when Rock was young. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it is just so much fun. Like they are just probably the most fun band in the world. And they have got the great album art. Every single one is a big sinister painting. It looks heavy and it's just ridiculous. But then you're going to get mm-hmm. organ and harmonies, the whole nine yards. It's ridiculously fun, but check out. yes, yeah, Spillways with Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, the big hit single Mariana Cross, and then the new you know cover of Genesis Jesus he knows me as we close out the metal
0: den i think this is actually a good segue into yeah. another la rock band not la guns it's they're called electric revival they have a new song out called taste the riches so oddly enough when the publicist sent me the link to this song it took me to a song that the band released in 2021 which was called bad habit and I didn't automatically think that what I was listening to was the song called Bad Habit. I thought it was the song Taste the Riches. So I'm grooving along to this thing. I'm thinking, yeah, it's pretty good. I like the vocal phrasing. I like the beat. It's it's very 80s, kind of a throwback sound in a way. And so I start assembling my notes for this episode, and I click on the YouTube link instead of the SoundCloud link, and Taste the Riches comes on. And I'm like, wait, this isn't the song that I heard earlier. And the lead vocalist sounds different. So I wrote to the publicist and he told me, he said, well, Bad Habit features a vocalist and a friend of the band, a guy named Kane Bennett. So the band is now moving away from that 80s hard rock sound, kind of the Guns N' Roses hard rock sound. And this Taste the Riches features the band's lead vocalist, Andreas Amnil. So let me play a little bit of Bad Habit first, and then I'll play Taste the Riches. So." Here's a little bit of Bad Habit. Now here's Taste the Riches. sounds, but check them out. If you like like Greta Van Fleet, Dirty Honey, Semi-Supervillains, other bands that are part of that classic rock sound. It's the sound, but it's all new songs. Check out this band known as Electric Revival.
1: Nicely done. I'm adding it to my Ted turned me on to, you know, <laughs> I got a whole section of my CD wall. That's now Ted picks. And so that's the latest one. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think that concludes our metal den, doesn't metal it? Metal den yeah, really. is closed for the now, nat- <laughs> you know, <clears throat> there you go. Yeah, right. That was fun. I think we yeah. need to do a metal den at least twice a year. I think so. Yeah, definitely. So on to some, uh, some, as you call them welcome returns. Okay. So the first one, man, this is going to be way in the way back machine is 1982 Mm -hmm. is the album title by a certain ratio. Okay. Now, this takes me back because when I we were kids, we used to go to a town or a place of in Cleveland Heights called Coventry, which had a lot of really cool indie record stores. We had just discovered thanks to college radio Joy Division and New Order. Mm-hmm. And back in the day when we did not have access to New Musical Express and Melody Maker and all the magazines that were writing about this band, we knew nothing of it. We knew we loved New Order. We knew that they put out stuff on factory records and everything was like you you would pick up something and they wouldn't even have the name of the band or the name of the single on there. It'd be a bunch of flowers and it would have like a factory records number on it. And it was part of this mystery that we just absolutely loved. And so what happened was you'd be browsing the rest of the bins and then suddenly you'd find another piece of vinyl that had the FAC and then a number on it. And we were like, holy crap. This is a factory records release, and we knew it would sound cool, but we didn't know what the hell it was. Right. The band was and what the track was. So we would buy these records, and that's how we discovered bands like A Certain Ratio and Section 25. You know, they were always like the other factory record bands. And so we kind of had some 12 inch singles back in the day, and then I moved on with life, and I've lived my 30, 40 years since then. And now, like they say, oh, a new A Certain Ratio record is out on Mute Records. And so I picked it up on CD and absolutely loved it so much. I have since spent more than 250 bucks tracking down everything A Certain Ratio has put out in the last 45 years.
2: <laughs> and oh everything
1: gosh. is amazing. Everyone knows The Lane, that Joy Division, and then New Order. You know how New Order kind of started sure. off in the post-punk, sure. and then it became a very big mainstream pop band band. So the same thing, a certain ratio mixes everything, post-punk, tribal dance, trip-hop, pop, soul, funk, and just about anything else you can imagine, all within a single album. So 1982, I guess, is a nod to that era that they kind of sprang from, Mm -hmm. but oh my God, I've been going back through all their catalog right now because Mute Records has done a really good job of re-releasing everything, you know, remastered, bringing lots of bonus tracks in, man, I've now got 40 years of a certain ratio to discover thanks to 1982, but oddly enough. The new album is the best gateway for people that are new into this band because it kind of covers a lot of their greatest hits in terms of sounds. So check out A Certain Ratio's 1982 on Mute Records. You know, that's interesting you bring up that year
0: because you definitely saw I know you did, which was that short that I put up on YouTube. About finding the Brimstone and Treacle soundtrack that uh, had songs by The Police and Sting, and yeah, and that was the year 1982 when it came out. And I remember seeing the film and thinking, well, listen, I want to go get some of these songs. How do I find it? And I did find it, but yeah, I did. I did a Keith Creighton. I, I tried to be the completest, and I went to you know over to Discogs, bought the CD for like 28 bucks. But it's all like I have to have it. Yeah. So, Look what you've done to me, Keith. I you know. you made me into a completist.
1: <laughs> it's treasure hunting. Yeah, thank God for Discogs, man. Yeah, I can find I everything. I just got the first two records by Section 25, which are all expanded with bonus discs. And now I'm into this band called I Start Counting, which is also from the same era. You know, now I'm... Bought four CDs this week, you know, so maybe next month we'll talk about I Start Counting, but it's another minimalist post-punk record, you know, from back in the day and just so much fun to kind of catch up on. But now we're going to completely grind the gears and go from 1982 back to 1963. Wow. Peggy Lee, you know, has they're doing the 60th anniversary, an expanded digital version of her classic album, I'm a Woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know so if you're not familiar with peggy lee she kind of held her own in the boys clubs of crooners sinatra and como and bing crosby and all that but she actually wrote hundreds of songs and recorded more than a thousand master tapes back in wow. the day if you like the lounge music the crooning music the soundtracks from like 60s movies i absolutely love this record i put it on on a beautiful stereo system. And especially after listening to all the metal den music, it was a good ear cleanser. Loved the finding out that the percussionist on these sessions was Mike Melvoin. He was a member of the wrecking crew, but then Mm -hmm. everyone knows his famous kids. You know, you got Wendy Melvoin, who was the guitarist in Prince and the Revolution. Yeah. Susanna Melvoin, who was Prince's, you know, romantic interest for many years and lead singer of the family. And then Jonathan Melvoin, who tragically died while on tour with Smashing Pumpkins. But Jonathan Melvoin contributed a lot to some of Prince's genius era albums like Around the World in a Day. So I love how it all ties together. But man, if you really want to go on the Wayback Machine, stream or download lossless copies of I'm a Woman, the 60th anniversary by Peggy Lee.
0: Yeah, that one was when it showed up on the list. I was like, wait, what? Peggy Lee? It's like, I did. I started streaming it. I was like, oh, this music. This was the stuff my father liked.
1: <laughs> so that- Yeah, oh my God. Her voice is absolutely gorgeous. And then, man, I was reading her biography on Wikipedia Man that woman lived a life, you know. Mm-hmm. So and you can hear it in the song. Highly highly recommend that.
0: Great information about Mike Melvoin and his children because yes, like you, I know who Wendy is, Wendy Melvoin mostly. Uh Suzanne, I didn't really get into the family much and I do know Jonathan unfortunately through the fact that he died tragically of a drug overdose while on tour with the uh with the Smashing with the pumpkins, pumpkins. Yeah. yeah.
1: So okay, now we're gonna go to the 2000s and circle back to the 80s because we are just in the time. Like, we, we, yeah, oh my right. god, I'm gonna, you gonna go forward in bill. Way, yeah. You're Ted. I'm Bill. And then this is our excellent adventure through decades and decades of pop music. We're on the Vader We're going this way and that way. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and wait, just gird your loins. It's going to get even worse okay. in the next couple of minutes here. So the next one we have here is Element by Louise Burns. Now she might not be a household name, but she was part of a band called Lilix, which had a bunch of hits in the 2000s, especially like on the Disney kind of level soundtrack. She was mm-hmm. on the Freaky Friday soundtrack. Oh, you know, with what I like about you. Remember Mm -hmm. the cover of the Romantics record? I do. They they were on Madonna's Maverick records. She left Lilix after the second record. Lilix wound up putting out one more record, which was oddly enough, their best ever record called Tiger Lily. But then Mm -hmm. Louise Burns went into a solo career and oh my God, what an amazing solo career it is. So she kind of like we were talking about Nico Case has her side hustles. Louise Burns is also in two bands called golden youth, and the blue violets. But then she has, I think five solo records out now. And unlike the more I call it power pop of Lilix, her solo stuff is kind of more for fans of echo and the Bunnymen, the church, new order, and even Depeche mode. Mm. And she covers Depeche mode. See you on this new album. Okay. So shimmering guitars, you know, she just has a gorgeous voice. This album, unlike the earlier ones, which were more kind of alternative leading, it's a very sophisticated pop record. I would call it like hot adult contemporary. You know, imagine it's like the, some of the more sophisticated Belinda Carlisle records of the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of where she is with this, okay. and it's a beautiful, beautifully well-produced record. Well, Louise when, you Burns,
0: about the, when you talk about Echo and the man in the Church and all that, I'm all like, okay, I'm
1: going to give that one a, a spin because, like you, Keith, that's kind of you know that's, that's kind of ear candy for me. And then also Jenny V, who is the bassist in Queens of the Stone Age. Jenny V, who is married to Slim Jim Fanton of the Stray Cats, mm-hmm. she puts out really amazing records that are also in that Echo Church New Order realm. So I love the fact that Jenny V and Louise Burns are kind of carrying on that tradition. And okay. on to the next selection. Yes, the Robocop Krauss. <laughs> it's not a sequel all in German of Robocop Kids. Exactly. Yeah, but really. <laughs> they are, so once again, remember, let's go back to a very fun time. In American music, which was the early 2000s when bands like Franz Ferdinand, Art Brute, you know, the Kaiser Chiefs, Future Heads put out really, really fun bonkers off the wall rock and roll kind of in the vein of Talking Heads, Mm -hmm. you know, so the Arctic Monkeys was another one. RoboCop Krauss was one of these, but they haven't put out a album in 15 years. And so Smile is their new record. And oh my God, when I put this thing on, I was dancing around the apartment, just having <laughs> the time of my life. And their older stuff, you know, does really kind of think like, oh my God, this sounds like a brand new Talking Heads record. And so they do kind of carry that element into the future. Highly, highly recommend just, you know, RoboCop Kraus Smile, you'll just groove like it's 2002 all over again. And then one that sounds like,
0: uh, well, a video game, The Assassins, or just
1: Assassins. Okay, so now kind of going back to the early 2000s as well. So here's my tale on Assassins. You know, so it's not The Assassins. You know, or eagles, or pretenders, right? Exactly. So don't don't say the. (laughs) Yeah. So the year that never came is a beautiful record, but it's rooted in tragedy. I first discovered Assassins when they opened up for Billy Corrigan's One at Metro in Chicago. It was like the Killers and New Order, like that kind of sound, like a really good. Both male and female vocals, Joe Cassidy, a butterfly child fame, and Merritt Lear, thundering guitars, and like, oh my God, these, and they were a local Chicago band, but like this is gonna be the next big thing. And so I remember there was a lot of AR people from the major labels at that show checking out the band. So then cut to a couple weeks later, I get invited through to the official Zwan record release party, was at one of the museums in downtown Chicago. And I meet Joe Cassidy, both there at the bar. I start chatting him up about how awesome the Metro show was. We exchange emails and we stay in touch. He would hand produce small batches of CDRs with some of the songs they were working on. So I have three of those that were hand labeled by him as they were waiting for this album deal to come together. So what happened was L.A. Reid signed them to Airstore Records. And then by the time they got the album produced by Stephen Haig, who has produced everyone from New Order to the Human League, a A-list producer, produces this debut album. LA Reed gets fired from Arista, and you know the drill. The band, this album gets locked in the vault, and they mm. had to go through years and years of legal wrangling before they can actually put it out themselves. Jeez. So unfortunately, the band all disappeared. You know, one of the members moved to Europe to make wine. The rest all kind of wound up in LA, you know, working various kind of production day jobs. And so I stayed in touch with Joe all these years and on Facebook, you know, we'd email back and forth and we kind of fell into the same Beechwood Canyon scene. You know, there's lots of artists that were in the Beachwood Canyon scene underneath the Hollywood sign. And so then all of a sudden blindsided in 2021, Joe passed, unfortunately from sepsis as part of, you know, they did a big memorial concert at Metro in Chicago they wound up finishing the album that Assassins had started, kind of worked on piecemeal over the years, and they kind of really honored his legacy by finishing up the album. So it was released digitally last year, and it is now out on a very gorgeous piece of red vinyl. And so I bought the vinyl, have, the, and it comes with a digital download because you know I love to listen to things in lossless stereo. And so the year that never came is the second Assassins record that never was. And wow. it's very beautiful. The band, will they're all off doing other things and will probably never be in that kind of full mode as a band again with Merit Le- Lear singing lead vocals. But if you like stuff like New Order and The Killers, it's really worth checking out and get, there's only, I think, 400 copies of the vinyl in existence. So grab one of those off the Assassin's Bandcamp. If you just do Assassin's Bandcamp, the year that never came, grab it on vinyl while you can, but definitely also get it on digital download. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful record, and so it's just a shame that such a great band ended too soon. That is sad,
0: uh, but it's good that the music has has surfaced, or at least it's it's out there now, and you can hear the genius, as it were. As we're kind of coming up on our our self imposed time wall, yeah, um, we've Jeez. got we've got a lot more to go. But let's sort of condense these. So, uh, like Iris, she's got a, a an EP out. This is,
1: as you call it, sort of shoegazy
0: music, right?
1: Yeah. So shoegaze is getting a big comeback right now. Cherry Red Records is putting out a bunch of collections, you know, from everyone, my bloody Valentine and Lush and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, they kind of pitched, you know, Michelle Malley, the lead singer of Iris, a LA shoegaze band, as the Adele of doom. And I'm like, Oh, but Adele from (laughs) hell was right there, you know? And so, but if you like that really kind of wall of sound, you know, the guitars with all the effects pedals, the distortion, but then really beautiful haunting vocals. Oh my God. So get Iris I R E S S the solace EP comes out in May. Absolutely beautiful stuff. And then we're going to pivot to
0: somebody who's, this is this could be summed up by never judge the music by the album art because you may be absolutely wrong and that's yes. Melanie Martinez, her new and record called Portals.
1: Yeah, this is her third record. Now you would not normally think that something this haunting, strange, creepy, scary, and beautiful would come from such a manufactured pop realm as The Voice. You mm-hmm. know, but everyone always wonders. Everyone that's been on The Voice, The Voice has been on, what, 700 seasons now? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know any of the winners, you know? It's true. It's true. Like, name one, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, I was shocked to see that Morgan Wallen, you know, the king of outlaw country right now, was a contestant on The Voice. I don't think he won. You know, but same thing, Melanie Martinez, watch her audition. It almost seems like like that it wasn't real. Like, someone just took, like, kind of the creepiest – You know, because like her whole vibe is kind of like the the possessed doll that comes to life in the crib. She does this really kind of haunting cover of Britney Spears' Toxic that got her on the show. And she actually made it very far along the way. I once again got turned on to Melody Martinez by my daughter who listens to it on this really creepy gotcha life YouTube video platform. She has this song called Tag You're It, which is just one of the most beautiful, scariest pop songs of all time. Crybaby is another one that has more than 140 million views. She kind of mixes dark pop songs with sexual violence and traumatized childhood. Things that are not pop, yet she's on Atlantic Records and Portals, her third album debuted at number two on the Billboard 200. It's definitely got a fan base. Yeah.
0: It definitely surprised me because I looked at the cover art and I'm like, oh, Great, and then I looked at the track listing, which is written all in caps. Yeah, and I'm all like, "Oh, what am I in for now?" And then I'm like, "Oh, I actually like this. This is very melodic. I like her yeah. voice. I like the way she structures the song. And I, I understand that the, you know the lyrics and the and the subject matter can be very dark, but it it did surprise me. And I, I'll circle back around. Never judge a. A record by its album art, because you may be surprised by what's what's on the actual tracks. I was thinking about what you you have how you came to this record. And that is like something that maybe I'm sure it still happens, but it's it's like recommendations from family or friends. Like the the whole older what's the older brother or older sister listening to? Or a friend that you really trust in terms of their musical taste, like say, you gotta to listen to this. So, this yeah. record kind of comes to you very similarly, right?
1: Yeah. So, we're in Orlando. I took my daughter down there. We're cruising around with my cousin Margaret. And so, she really likes jam bands, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, it's one of those things where I will have a total blast at a jam band concert. And I love listening to it with friends, but it's not the kind of music that I'm going to go out and buy a record from. Right. You know, for me, it's about the human connection. Well, then she says, talk to me about Anarchist Gospel, the new album by Sunny War. And she was so into it that I'm like, okay, I've got to take this seriously. So I took this. I, you know, went on Amazon. It was 11 bucks new, had it the next day on CD. And oh, my God. So I listened to it. And, like, this is a beautiful, beautiful record. Sophisticated soul, got some Americana leanings, you know, some blues leanings. She's got Mm -hmm. a gorgeous voice. I would have never known in a million years this is the former lead singer of the Anus Kings. (laughs) So, (laughs) and everybody remembers them. (laughs) Yeah. So, quite honestly, you don't see a lot of black musicians in the hardcore punk scene. You know, you got bad brains and fishbone, but you know, it's really kinda of, it is kind of, I think by nature, you know, more of like the white boy's game. You know, mm-hmm. there's not even mm-hmm. a lot of women in it because even when women enter punk, then they try to separate them into the riot girl, which I think is wrong, you know, instead of having a more cohesive scene. Sunny War was kind of like she was influenced by bad brains and Molly Crew and ACDC and X oh. and the kind of almost the same scene that Against Me came from you know, which is one of my favorite bands of all time, which is kind of the anarchist punk folk scene, punk ethos into folk music. And with like, you know, anarchist leaning poetry is kind of the scene. And that is just not my scene. I don't like the early Against Me records, like Reinventing Axl Rose, but their later stuff that came out on Sire Records was just absolutely beautiful. And then of course the lead singer of of Against Me came out as Laura Jane Grace, Transgender Mm -hmm. Journey. Which I'm also on. And so, therefore, I found extra inspiration there. But, you know, Sunny War has come a long way. She was for years homeless, addicted to meth and heroin wow. and alcohol, busking on Venice sidewalks. She finally cleaned up, wound up in Nashville, hooked up with the leads or the producer for Alabama Shakes, Andra Tukic, if I'm saying that right. And on this new record, she has Jim James of My Morning Jacket, Chris Pierce, who's an amazing singer that I knew from the LA. You know, hotel cafe scene in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And then Jack Lawrence, you know, who is the bassist for the raconteurs, the greenhorns and the dead weather with Jack White. You know, so she kind of assembles this all-star cast, you know, kind of going back to, ooh, it's a super group record, but really Sunny War is front and center on this. It's a beautiful, soulful record, you know. So if you like Americana and blues and soul, check out Sunny War's Anarchist
0: Gospel. Wow. What a story. That could make a book too, wouldn't it? Her, her entire musical journey. Well, that was a boatload of recommendations. I think this was quite a packed episode. And so
1: much, so much. I know.
0: And next month proves to be quite a bounty in terms of the harvest of new music. And yeah. you want to preview
1: just a couple that you've got
0: uh, in, yeah. the, uh, in the queue, as it were?
1: Yeah, in the queue. So we've got the new Susanna Hoffs record. So she is also now a best-selling author, I think it's called The Bird is Flown. I'm reading it right now. Excited about her new covers album, The Deep End, that mm-hmm. comes out this week. But then also Ian Hunter from Mott the Hoople. You know, one of my all time favorite MTV videos is All the Good Ones Are Taken, which was kind of I his. That one. Yeah. 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 It was like him doing Arthur, you know, the movie. Mm-hmm. But Defiance Part One listen to the people that he got on this record Ringo Starr, Todd Rungren, the late Jeff Beck, the late. Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. Johnny Depp, Billy Gibbons, Joe Elliott, once again, who was just with Ghost, Jeff Tweedy of Wilco, Mike Jeez. Campbell, Slash, Robert Trujillo of Metallica, Brad Whitford, and Duff McKagan. Everyone is on this record. Defiance part one comes out this week. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into it.
0: Okay. That and many more await you in the next new our music next. report. Yeah. Yes. With Keith Creighton. Keith, as always, my friend, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You give us so many recommendations and I'm sure many of our listeners appreciate it. I know I do. Okay.
1: Can't wait. It's going to be a great month.
0: And with that, we close out not only the new music report, but the end of this podcast episode as well. Thank you so much, dear listener, for listening. Talk to you soon.